Okay, did you all enjoy that? Good job. Amen. That's my son, by the way. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, well, last time I had seven minutes. This time we've got about 40. Praise God. Amen. So, yeah, let's get into some stuff here. I've been looking forward to coming to see you all, so thank you, Pastor Mike and Joy, for your invitation and uh, your welcome and uh, for receiving us here. And um, <clears throat> although I'm a missionary, I haven't come to get any money. Uh, because, you know, when the missionaries come, it's like, oh, yeah, let's go hear the missionaries speak, but oh, yeah, we better know what this is all about. In the end, he just wants the money. You know, well, I haven't come here for money. I don't want you to give me any money. If I walk out of here without one penny, I would be just as happy as if I walked out with $100,000. Amen? Because I know where my source comes from. <clears throat> I've been living by faith for over 20 years now. I've never had support. I've never had anybody taking up regular offerings. I've gone into places where there isn't any money. There's only been chickens and eggs and vegetables where you trade stuff back and forth and things like that. And so, you know, just, just, just get that clear right now. This isn't about money, so you can relax, okay? There's not going to be some great big thing where you have to, you know, I'm going to do some spiel and wind you up to get some cash. Amen? Amen? Praise God. Let's just get that out there right now. Hallelujah. And that shocks some people because, you know, I go to a lot of churches and uh, I, I often give offerings in places I go. And they say, you, you're the missionary. You should be taking all the money. He says, no, we're, we're a different kind of missionary here. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with supporting missionaries. I ask you to do that. Speaking of missionaries, I send um, greetings from uh, Terry. You know, a lot of you know Terry who's gone to China. He's a good friend of mine now. He married one of my spiritual girls. They have a little baby, and they're doing really well up there. So he thanks you very much for your support and prayers and this spiritual covering. He's really, really grateful because he, like me, knows that without prayer, you're dead. Yeah, we wouldn't survive out there with the prayers of the people who are praying for us because it's really tough out there, and we are on the edge of doing some things. So um, your prayers are valued. Amen. In fact, you know, God told this, about, uh, told this to me uh, one time. He says, <clears throat> he says, I'll provide the money, but you've got to encourage people to provide the prayer because he doesn't provide prayer. Amen? Yeah. So he provides money, so he says, you don't have to worry about that. Don't even think about that, but you better get people to pray for you. I says, okay, God, I understand, and we know the value of that. So please keep praying for the work in China. Uh, pray for the folks over there. It will be much appreciated. All right, now today we're going to talk about a very important subject. Um, I'll tell you what, I don't normally have a, a title, but I already know what it is because I know the scripture, which is rare because often I don't get the scripture until I'm actually starting to preach. But um, God gave it to me halfway in advance this time. Uh, so we're going to be talking about the unity of the faith. Now, please don't think because I said the unity of the faith, this sounds like a little bit boring subject that you forget to fasten your seatbelt, okay? I suggest you fasten it. Now, if I tell you all the truth this morning, are you going to get mad at me? If I start messing with some of your stuff, are you going to get mad at me? If I start confronting you on some issues, are you going to get mad at me? Well, that sounds pretty good. It's more than most congregations would respond. So we've got about half of them on our side. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Because the Word of God is very confrontive when it's preached properly, you understand? There is comfort in it. There is edification in it. But it's always confronting and challenging us to change. Because our carnal man is always at enmity with God. 
You've got to understand that. That's what the Word of God teaches. Now, there's a whole stronghold over this nation which says that whatever is in our carnal man, in our, in our carnal nature, in our carnal mind, uh, it should be legal to do that. So there's all kinds of legal pushes to make this legal and that legal because uh, we are this way inclined. But God says, no, your carnal man, your carnal nature is at enmity with God. It's an enemy of God. And so the Word of God comes to counteract those daily thoughts and daily uh, things that come from our old man and come from Satan so that we can walk in ways that are pleasing to God. Amen? So that in the final judgment, when we are judged, we can be judged as one who feared God, loved God, and really followed God. Amen? Hallelujah. So that's why we're not to go along with the, with the ways of the world and the spirit of the world and the way they are going. Because they say, well, this should be legal, that should be legal because I want to do that. But all that junk is at enmity with God. And no matter how many hard speeches that the people of this nation, even the governments of this nation or certain organizations in this nation may make against God, the book of Jude says that he's going to call them to account for all the hard speeches that they've made. And one day they will be judged before him who is ready to judge the living and the dead and so we need to have that message out there by our lives saying we're not following that nor do we approve of that because we know what the end of that kind of behavior is and as such we become lights to the world where God can shine through us and other people can see our godly conduct and so they will also fear and come to repentance in Jesus Christ and they will be saved in that day hallelujah not getting many amens on that. I'm not a politically correct preacher. I don't believe in co-towing to the government of the nation to make them happy with us so that they don't persecute us and so that we don't get in trouble with anybody. I think that's of the devil when preachers start doing that. I think that's of the devil when uh, pastors start uh, you know, saying, oh, we can't say this will offend this group. We can't say that will offend this group. Or oh, we can't say that the government might get mad at us. Or oh, we can't do this. Maybe we'll have our tax-exempt status taken away and all this kind of stuff. You know, when, when preachers and, and, and ministers and churches start bowing to the spirit of the world to be pleasing to the devil that is the end of society you can get in trouble for preaching that kind of stuff and that's what it should be i've read the bible from all the way from you know moses and david into the new testament the apostles they were always getting into trouble even jesus his father was always getting him into trouble because there were six days on which you could work, but God would always have him heal on the Sabbath. And it was done on purpose to show that his ways are higher than our ways, that the Spirit of God and the Spirit of the world are not the same. So don't you be the same. Am I being too tough, brethren? if I am, too bad. I've got the mic. And it was given to me by the mic. <laughs> and he said, go for it. Amen. Don't you sit there and say, well, Brother Gerald, I'm getting mad. Well, whoop-dee-doop-dee-doo for you, pal. Get over it and get this into your spirit. Because the times are coming when you will have to make a choice. Who you are following, who you will serve, which way you are going. 
You hear that, you young people? Don't you compromise. Don't you young men of God ever compromise to please friends or for peer pressure or for anything. You stand up as lights in this world. I want to pray for the two of you right now. Stand up. Father, I pray the Holy Spirit fall now upon him in Jesus' name. Fire in Jesus' name. Fire! I pray you use them. Fire in Jesus' name. Use them, God, to do great things. Use them to stand up in the spirit of the world that is flowing contrary to God. Use them, Father God, to be bold and to speak and say, it doesn't matter what the policies of this nation say. God says it's wrong. So follow me and follow Jesus instead. Let them lead many to repentance. I loose that over every single young person in this room. Stand up and never let peer pressure hold you down. Brother Gerald, why are you yelling? Simple, because some of you are deaf. (laughs) Hebrews talks about that. Some people grow dull of hearing. Revelation talks about that. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. That means that some people don't have ears to hear. So that's why the Holy Spirit through me sometimes has to raise his voice. Amen. All right, so let's get into the unity of the Spirit. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. I want you to put your finger also in Ezekiel chapter 1. Ezekiel chapter 1 is a quite a complicated portion of Scripture that most people have given up on, like I did before in the past, and say, well, what's all that about? I've got no idea. But when you understand Ephesians 4, then you can understand uh, Ezekiel chapter 1. In fact, we'll just start from Ezekiel chapter 1 and very briefly take a look at it. I'd love to come sometime and teach you for about Chinese style, where we start at 9 in the morning and then finish about 8, 9, maybe 10 at night and just uh, open the Scriptures up and let the Holy Ghost move and have a good time. Amen? Praise God. And so it says here in Ezekiel 1, uh, verse 4, And I looked, and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north, a great cloud, and a fire enfolding itself, and brightness was about it, and out of the midst thereof, as the color of amber, and out of the midst of the fire. And also out of the midst thereof, there came the likeness of four living creatures. And this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. Well, they look kind of like us then. Funny that, isn't it? And everyone had four faces. They look at us and say, well, you guys are weird. You've only got one face. We look at them and say, man, you've got four faces. They go, yeah, what's funny about that? (laughs) Amen. Some things in heaven, they're going to look at us and say, you guys look a little weird. So don't call them weird. Amen. (laughs) Yeah. They're not deformed. They were made that way. Amen. Yeah, and they were made that way to show us some things that hopefully we'll get into today. Okay, and everyone had four faces, verse 6, and everyone had four wings, and their feet were straight feet, like, and the sole of their feet was like the sole of a calf's foot, and they sparkled like the color of burnished brush. And they had the hands of a man under their wings on their four sides. That means they could get to work and get stuff done. Amen. That's why you've got hands as well. And they four had their faces and their wings. Their wings were joined. Say joined one to another say one to another joined one to another 
and they turned not when they went, and they went every one straight forward. And as for the likeness of their faces, they had four. Uh, they four had the face of a man and the face of a lion on the right side, and they four had the face of an ox on the left side, and they four also had the face of an eagle. And we'll carry on now. We'll just go down quickly to verse 12. And they went everyone straight forward. Now look at this. Wherever the Spirit was to go, they went. And they turned not when they went. Now go down to verse 15 because we have to go quickly. Now as, uh, let's see now, let's just for the sake of speed, let's go to verse 20. Uh, Whithersoever the Spirit was to go, they went. Thither was their Spirit to go. Say, their Spirit. And the wheels were lifted up over against them, for the spirit of the living creature was in the wheels. So I want to just go through this real quickly, because we're all very familiar with how the body of Christ actually is, but we're not very familiar with how the angelic body is, and how we're supposed to cooperate with them. So let's just see how they are an example of how we should all as a group be following Jesus. So we've got this big massive cloud that suddenly appeared. And it was filled with fire and it was filled with smoke. And if you study that out, you'll see it was actually a cloud of innumerable angels. It'll be the same kind of cloud with which the Lord Jesus Christ will be returning. In that cloud will be tens of thousands of his saints. And there will also be an innumerable company of angels. And out of that cloud that Ezekiel saw, out of that innumerable company of angels, four living creatures, four very obvious creatures came out of that multitude of angels. And each one of them had four faces. They had the face of a man, and the face of a lion, and the face of an ox, and the face of an eagle. And it says, we didn't read it, but there were four wheels that went on each side of them. So there were four wheels, four living creatures, and the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. You're following me here? Okay. Very, very important. Okay. And so we'll carry on down right down to verse 26. And above the firmament that was over their heads of the living creatures was the likeness of a throne as the appearance of a sapphire stone. And upon the likeness of the throne was the likeness as the appearance of a man above it. So we've got this great living creature. If you go to Ezekiel 10, don't go there, but if you look at it, you'll see that this whole thing, the four living creatures and the wheels and the innumerable company of angels are all called a living creature. So there were living creatures within the living creature. You following me? And above this great living creature, high above it, there was a throne with the likeness of one like a man upon the throne. And the spirit of the living creature was in the wheels, and the spirit of God, the one who sat upon that throne, would direct this creature, which was actually like a chariot, and in a figurative sense, in a, a parable kind of sense, that chariot would take God wherever he wants to go. So we see an angelic creation, a body made up of many members with four very obvious creatures coming out with four faces and then their spirit being in these wheels and wheels talk of movements. Wheels are, take you in a direction. If you've ever owned a car, you can't get far without wheels. Amen. 
And so these wheels would go where God wants to go. And the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. So where the spirit of God moved the spirit of the living creatures, then this chariot-like thing of angels and living creatures and wheels would move where God wanted them to go. It's a powerful thing. I wish I had about a week to expound on this awesome stuff in here. Now let's go now to Ephesians chapter 4. The body of Christ, we all know, it's made up of many members, amen? Many, many, many members all over the world from different tribes and nations and peoples and tongues. It's, it's, a, it's a quite an amazing thing. And in verse 4, Ephesians uh, 4, verse 4, let's start there. It says, there is one body and one spirit, even as you are calling, one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. So we can see here there's a one body. Amen. Just like there was that great body of angels that Ezekiel saw. And there's one spirit. Just like there was one spirit inside of those creatures and also from the Spirit of God, where the Spirit of God was in the Spirit of the creatures. Do you see that? And we were called in one hope. And in verse 6 it says there's one God, and that is the one who was sitting on the throne above those living, that, that great living creature. So can you start to see that the body of the angels and the body of Christ is starting to take on the same appearance? One person could see it. You're not doing too badly. Praise God. Anybody else? Let's go down to verse 11. And I want you to notice something very quickly and very clearly about this. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Now, we often call this verse the five-fold ministry, but if you will observe it closely, it's actually a four-fold, five-office ministry. Because the word some puts everything into groups. Can you see that? Some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. So suddenly we see out of the multitude of the members of the body of Christ, there is a, a four, <coughs> four folds coming out of it. Just like out of the cloud of the angels, there was four living creatures coming out of it. Can you see the correlation, the exactness of what God is doing here? And the faces that were on those living creatures are exactly the same of the faces of the officers. We've got the face of a man that said in Ezekiel, and that is the evangelist who is always talking about souls of man, souls of man, souls of man. On the right side was the face of the lion, and that is the face of the apostle, always going out after the prey, into new areas, fearless, the king of the beasts. He gets out there. Let me out of this cage. Like when Paul, I think he was still in prison and says, when I get out of here, I must come by you because I want to go to Spain. I mean, the guy just been killed about a hundred times for his faith. And he says, let me out of the cage. I've got to get to Spain. The face of the lion. Then on the, on the other side, on the face of... On this side, they have the face of the ox, which is the fold that includes two offices of the pastor and the teacher, very much servant ministries concerned with the body of Christ and their welfare, 
very separate offices, but they are enclosed in the same fold because their function is very similar, where they often stay rooted and grounded in one place and teach and build up and nurture the body of Christ. Very servant-like ministries, usually much more quieter than this guy you've got on the platform today. Amen? Very precious ministries, the face of the ox. Amen? And then, of course, we've got the face of the eagle, the face of the prophet. When an eagle flies through the air, he can look down to the ground, and from one mile high, he can see a mouse moving, dive down and pick it up with his talons. And that is what the office of the prophet is like. Picks up problems, picks up issues. From the high place of being in the Spirit of God, can see the things that are going on and swoop down with great accuracy and pick out the problem without destroying the body along with it. Amen? Do you see the correlation between the angels and the body of Christ? Now, just as we have these four-fold, five offices in the church, we have those four living creatures. And the Word of God says, if you study it out, you see that when they moved, they all moved together. You see what I'm saying here? They all moved together. So when they would turn, there was always only one face looking out. So when they were facing to the front, all you would see was the four faces of a man. When they turned to the right, all you could see was the four faces of a lion. When they turned this way, you could see the four faces of the ox. When they turned this way, you could see the four faces of an eagle. They weren't moving around in different ways. There was four different hodgepodge faces all turning their own way at once. You see, the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. The spirit of the living creatures was united. The spirit of the living creatures had decided, let's roll with God. Let's do the will of God. Let's get this sorted out. So whatever the Holy Spirit says to us, whatever the spirit of the one on the throne says to us, let's move in unison. So when he says, turn right, we turn right. Turn left, we turn left. And when they did that, the the, the different facets, the different specialities that those different faces had would manifest their power. And it would happen on the earth. Amen. Are you understanding this this morning? And if the church is going to come into a place of power, we have really got to understand that we have got to get into unity so that we can start to move with the angelic body and see the things that happen in the book of Acts. Because if you study the book of Acts closely, you will see that angels and men worked very, very closely together. And if you think we can do the work of the gospel without angelic help and without the help of the Holy Spirit, then you are certifiable. Meaning you should be put in a, in a, in a room with the key thrown. It means there's very little hope for you if you think that you can do the work of the kingdom of God without the power of the Holy Ghost and angelic help. Get real! Because our faith is a supernatural faith. Our Lord is a supernatural Lord. He is the Lord of the whole earth. He is the creator. He is a spirit. And so when he shows himself, there should be spiritual power showing. Boys, one thing I am tired about is seeing a bunch of soulish stuff that comes out of the mind of man being portrayed as God. And the world looks at that and says, we can do that. And they can because they're... The world uses their head because their spirit is dead. But our spirit is alive and it's been born again. And the spirit of God wants to come in and flow out of us like rivers of living water. And the angels want to work alongside of us. 
But there's a problem that happens. God speaks and the angel, the, the whole living creature of angelic bodies, they turn. But then the body of Christ is often in such rebellion and such division and such schism and in such pride and in such ambition and such selfishness and such greediness and such desire to perform its own will that when the angels turn, we don't even feel it and we're just turning every which way but lose and as a result, we have no supernatural power manifesting to shake the city. Are you here this morning? I didn't tell you to fasten your seatbelt. If you're getting shaken up, well, fasten it. So let's start. There, there's so many aspects to the unity of the Spirit that I don't have time to go into them today, but we're going to talk about one. So let's just go up to chapter 4, Ephesians 4, verse 3. wondering why I'm looking over there. It's not because of the demon in the church. It's because the clock is over there, okay? <laughs> Was he discerning something? Yeah, I'm discerning the time, okay? <laughs> so just relax, amen? Verse 3. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit... In the bond of peace. Repeat after me. The unity of the Spirit. Okay. Now, you can write these down, but today we're just going to briefly share on one of them. Okay. The first unity is the unity of our spirit. Remember, the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels wasn't talking about the Spirit of God. It was talking about the Spirit of the living creatures. And we're going to talk about our Spirit in a few minutes here. The second unity of the Spirit, which we won't get to today, is the unity of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes and He speaks, then we all obey it. The third unity we must have is the unity between the body of Christ and the angelic body that I just described to you. When they turn, we turn. When they move, we move. And as a result, the angelic and man will work together again. And you've got to remember this, that the book of Revelation in two places says that the angels are our brethren, are our brothers. And when you start to realize that, you realize they're not some far-off, weird little things that fly around, you know, with bows and arrows, but they are like you. And actually, the Word of God says they are men. And in the Old Testament, you see that they are called men, and they are called men of high degree. And we will become like them in the future. We will be different, but the same at the same time, and we will all be brethren. So it's time we started working with our brethren. If you've never heard that before, well, you go look into it. Amen? What's this heresy this guy's preaching? Well, read the Bible. Amen? And don't line up the Bible with your traditional doctrine. Line up the Bible with the Bible. Because often we have our traditional doctrine, we read this and say, well, that can't be true because my doctrine says this. 
and you use a black highlighter to underline those verses in the Bible. Some of you didn't get that. A black highlighter, you know, black so you can't read it, you know. <laughs> it must be too early in the morning. <clears throat> okay, the fourth kind of unity we must have is the unity between the fivefold ministry or the fourfold five office ministry I just described to you. So we become like the angels. So when they turn and it's the face of an ox, then all the ministries give place to the teacher or the pastor. When the angels turn to the lion, then all the ministries give place to the apostle. When, the, when they turn to the eagle, then we give all of our blessing and ministry and support to the prophet, etc., etc. We don't fight one another for the microphone. We don't fight one another for position. But when God wants to use an apostle, then all the pastors, teachers, and evangelists, and, and prophets, they almost turn themselves into the face of a lion and say we bless you we give you place minister and then when the, the angels turn the four living creatures turn to the face of a man then the church needs to realize we need an evangelist in here and so the apostle gladly gives up the microphone he doesn't say it's mine it's my precious you can't have it it came to me no the apostle says here the angels have turned. And then the evangelist moves with the angelic and we bless them. And we start getting supernatural effects. Man, I wish I had time to teach you about that. I, I love getting a whole bunch of pride-filled, arrogant, five-fold ministers in one room and just hammering the tar out of them until they repent with this kind of teaching. Some people say, you know, when Satan fell, he fell into the orchestra pit. That's why musicians are so proud. But I think he might have fallen into the fivefold ministry as well. Pride-filled little brats fighting one another for glory. The next unity we must have is the unity between the fivefold and the other members of the body of Christ. So we know how to minister to one another and submit to one another, but let the fivefold be the fivefold and you be you. Amen. And the last unity we must have is the unity just between the members of the body. And we've got enough pride-filled little brats in the body as well, puffing themselves up. So today we're going to talk about the one thing. I've got six minutes and I can get this done. We're going to talk about the unity of the Spirit. <clears throat> the first one. So let's turn to the book of 2 Corinthians 12, 18. 2 Corinthians 12, 18. And if you can get a hold of this, then there's going to be a breakthrough in your life. There'll be a breakthrough in the church as we all get a hold of this. And we can go somewhere. Because all too often we put the responsibility for revival, uh, for a move of God, for something heavenly to happen upon the Holy Spirit. But we're going to look at this verse. Verse 18 says, I desired Titus, and with him I sent a brother. Did Titus make a gain of you? Walked we not in the same what? Is that spirit big S or small S? It's a small S. And if your translation made it a big S, then toss it out and get one that says it right. Don't read the nearly inspired version. 
Read an inspired version. So it says, walk we not in the same spirit. Small s! And that puts the responsibility on me and on you to start getting in unity before the big S can come. Because all too often throughout the history of Christ, the big S, the Holy Spirit, capitals, has come. But because of the lack of unity in the small S, because of the rebellion in the small s, the pride in the small s, the ambition in the small s, the, 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 the laziness in the small s, the, the jealousy and the competition in the small s, the big s can only come for a very limited time until he says, I can't stand this anymore. And he's out of here. That's why it says, grieve not the Holy Spirit. Grieve not the Holy Spirit. And so for there be any form of, of lasting heavenly action in the church, we have got to create a place where the Holy Spirit is willing and happy to come and remain. Because I'm tired of seeing a revival, a move of God, be it whatever. And I'm all for moves of God. I'm all for the, the, the sweeping moves of the Spirit where things happen that are just wild and amazing. I love that. But I get tired of seeing it fall apart and die because there's no unity amongst the small s. Because they all, oh, Holy Spirit, come, but at the same time, we're criticizing our brother, criticizing our sister. We're gossiping and we're forming factions and we've got unforgiveness and we've got all kinds of niggles and fights among one another. And yet we have the audacity to ask the Holy Spirit to come. Get a grip. He might come, but it'll be brief. Like I said, some other folks yesterday, I walked across a lawn the other day. The lawn looked really nice. It was green. It was lush. By the time I got to the other side, my foot was, feet were filled with thistles. And that's what the church looks like. We know how to get the outside of a church looking good. And I'm all for the equipment. I'm all for these... Well, I'm on camera here. <laughs> okay, well, we're on camera. Praise God. A bit of sharpen up of it here. Now, brethren, let us be a little more respectable. <laughs> no, the church can be just like that lawn. We've got all the equipment, we've got the nice seats. Sometimes those seats are too nice because they put you to sleep during the sermon. They've got, we've got all the equipment, we've got all the bells and the whistles and the carpets and the speakers and all the stuff. But the people are like thistles. And when the Holy Ghost comes, we grieve Him and grieve Him and grieve Him and grieve Him and finally He has to withdraw. So I'm here to exhort you today, the small S. The Holy Spirit is saying today to you, the small s, your spirit, my spirit, everybody's spirit here must make a decision. We're not going to fight one another. We're not going to rebel against one another. We're not going to do this. You're going to settle in your heart. And when you say to God, I promise God to do my best to not do anything that would grieve the spirit. That means you don't talk about Pastor Mike and Joy. 
You don't get in a little clicky group and say, well, we don't agree with them. We just don't think that you know they're doing the right thing. We just don't feel by the Spirit that they are right. As soon as you do that, you are of the devil. And you are grieving the Holy Spirit. And the small s has got cancer right there. Well, this side of the church believes this. And that side of the church believes that and say, well, you don't believe like I do. You see, the responsibility for revival does not first rest on the Holy Spirit. It rests on the small s. So have we got any problem with gossiping in here this morning? Good word. Well said. Have we got any problem with rebellion in here this morning? Have we got any problem with stubbornness, with pride, with insistence on your own way? I tell you, it is in here. And I don't have time this morning to take a hoe to this issue. I've just been laying a groundwork and giving you a prophetic word that others can follow on. And I, I am loosing now a spirit of unity in the small s. I am loosing the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened so you can understand so that others can help you to attain it. Because in our work in China the last four or five years, the Holy Spirit says, I want you to build this into the churches. And I tell you what, it's there. It's beautiful. Behold how good and how pleasant it is when you can come to a meeting and don't feel a swirling bunch of witchcraft. When you don't feel ambition and jealousy and pride and, and desire for one's own will that's always resisting you. How good and how pleasant it is when our spirits decide we're not going to grieve the Holy Spirit. It's awesome. Just that would be enough. But then it gets better. Then the Holy Spirit comes. And he'll do like he did with Jesus. The Holy Spirit came on him and remained. And he'll do a work that might not be quite like you expected, but because of the unity of the small s, he will bring a work to pass that can affect the city and affect other churches in the nation. When they see unity, they'll say, how did you get this? And they'll come, and they'll get it, and then we will have a move of God. All right, my time's up, and I'm always obedient to the time. So, I loose that over you now. I loose the spirit of unity over you now. I loose the desire to be unified over you all now. Because that's where it starts. A desire to be unified. So I lose it. I break the spirits that are working. The small s spirits that are working. That grieve the Holy Spirit. And I loose now. A oneness to come into this place. So that God can do his will. So that we can become a habitation of God. In the Spirit. In Jesus' name.
Amen.